Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today we've got a bit of a special podcast going on. I'm joined by Chris Swaff and John Gibson and basically what we're going to do, we're going to go through and pick our uh, best Premier League team uh, that Newcastle have had over the years and well, we'll get straight in, Chris. We'll start with their uh, formation ideas. Um, you know, what, what would your pick, pick, pick be? Uh, I'm going for a bit of an unusual one, just so I can fit in all the players I want. So I'm going three, four, one, two. Yeah, a bit, it's a bit attacking, but that's that's how it is with Newcastle United. That's how it should be. Why that or my my last formation? You? Uh, primarily because uh, of the two strikers I had, and then I've got someone in the hole behind them. I wanted those, and then midfielders I couldn't find a way to drop any of the ones I've got actually there was others I wanted to put in um, and then if I'm, if I'm honest defenders I was because I've based my team basically on the t- since I've been born and since I've physically seen these players um, could have gone back further in the history but I wanted to go by who I've seen and exactly what they can bring to the so side so yeah you're starting from then uh, so mid 90s mid 90s yeah and if you Gibbo what formation would you pick if you had the basically the same sort of idea as Chris I've got some I've got two attackers up front that I want to play so that's determined everything I've gone 4-4-2 to make it simple but there would be somebody in the hole playing out of that and it's just I mean Kevin Keegan would have to manage my side because uh, he played that way the fact that he had an overlapping goalkeeper at one stage um, he was very much part of the entertainers and um, you know, it's interesting that in the Premier League years that we, we've had at Newcastle, that three of the greatest managers ever have come from that period, which is Kevin Keegan, who built the entertainer, Sir Bobby Robson, who built the third top Champions League side, and we'd have been rough uh, been as now. So for me, the three best managers outside of Joe Harvey, who's the last fella ever to win a trophy, is from this era. So um, we've got a lot... But I would go four four two and let Keegan run them a mock. Definitely, I'm a fan of the four four two. I think get get the wingers going and up top to the two strikers. Who I'm just going to hedge a guess at the two strikers, but I think we might be all picking at least one of the same striker. But we'll start with goalkeepers. Cisco, Cisco? I was there Good for that. Good <laughs> <laughs> that goal against all. I tell you, um, we'll start with we'll start with goalkeepers. Uh, Gibbo, um, yeah. you know, we've had quite a few memorable. Ones down the years. For mm. you, who would be your your number one? Well, by a long chalk for me would be Shea Given. Would be my number one. Yeah, you. Tim Cruel deserves a mention. Who's just left Newcastle now because of what he's done over a lot of years. Um, I mean, some people would mention Steve Harper, but for me, uh, Shea Given was had virtually everything. Um, maybe he could have done with being a couple of inches taller. But his ability is a shot stopper to read the game, his distribution from the back. Uh, there's a lot of Keegan's entertainers that would go forward into a Newcastle 11 from the Premier League, but not in goal for me. In goal, Shea Given for me stands head and shoulders. And for you, Chris? Couldn't agree more, Gibble. It would definitely be Shea Given for me. Um, just the way that I think that Newcastle, as well as Tim Cole's played, in the, in the, it, certainly in the couple of years after that, they really struggled mm. to, to replace him. Yeah. Um, Steve Harbour didn't get enough games young enough to really have, have gone under the keeper I think he could have been I think we could be taught if, if Harbour had played for a number of years we could be sitting here talking about really even more of a Newcastle legend than he already is but forgiven I think it really typified me his, his final performance at St James's Park where Liverpool came and Liverpool absolutely murdered Newcastle the final score was 5-1 but in the first after half an hour it was still 0-0 and Given had made about five world class saves and he came after the game and he said look I'm sorry that this is Man City are interested 
have to go and, and for, for him at that time I think he was up in the top two or three goalkeepers in the country if not in Europe at the time Funny enough Tim Krul had a game like that at Spurs if yes, you remember did, yeah. when Newcastle won 1-0 yeah. and he just stopped everything uh, he would have stopped the bus if it had come through the middle that day and he was a good keeper that served Newcastle well and I think we should remember that now he's departed and, and show some reverence towards him but Shea given by far Definitely. Yeah, no, it was Shea given as well I remember growing up as a kid and uh, had the ambition of being a goalkeeper back then, and uh, it was all about Shea Given, you know. And I think you've got to give uh, a bit of a mention to Steve Harbour, like you said. Yeah. The standard that Steve Harbour was, yeah. you know, at push given, you know, to, to the level that he did achieve. And um, but obviously going back to the entertainers here, you know, you had Pav, you had uh, Hislop, who was a very good goalkeeper as well. And hopefully we can see in a few years' time that we might be talking about Freddie Woodman in the same breath as. These guys. That would be lovely, and it's a distinct possibility as long as Newcastle hold on to him, and he doesn't do it somewhere else, like Fraser Foster did. Definitely, is the risk because again, we could be, we should be probably talking about Fraser Foster and that. Well, without uh, question, of ability, but he never played the first exactly. team game. Did it's he? a shame, isn't it? So, like you say, you know, we've got to be careful that Woodman doesn't go down the same route. But well, that one's short, simple, and mm-hmm. nice and easy. So we all say Shea given there. We'll go on to to full backs now. So right back for you, Gibbo. Who would you? I've taken Barry Venison to play right back. Are we taking both full backs? Yeah. And well, left, well, left back John Beresford. Um Again, I don't think we've been that well off for full backs no, down the years uh, at all. You know, I'm looking at other names as Debussy, looking at right back, there's Warren Borden, there's Steve Watson, who was very underrated, played in far too many positions, where if he played in one, he would have probably made that his own. Definitely. But he played everywhere. Bez, you look at Enrique, you look at Aaron Hughes, I don't think there's a lot there to really look at. And for me, they were both entertainers full-backs. Venison was in England international while with Newcastle, and Bez, uh, underrated, um, eight foot six when he come playing behind Ginola, who never ran back, he become three <laughs> foot six. But a good player, and he did get into an England, full England squad without actually getting on the pitch. So for me, Venison and Bez. Then what was it about Venison's qualities that you, you admired, do you think? Great enthusiasm, tactically very clever, um, a lot to overcome because he'd made his name at Sunderland. Yes. Uh, so there was plenty to overcome. Yeah. He did it ever so well, and the, the entertainer side was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, at one stage, I used to cover the England matches at the same time, and at one stage, we had something up to six players in the England squad out of Newcastle United, which is quite unbelievable. And my great concern doing this is making certain that the whole team bar goalkeeper isn't the entertainers, <laughs> that other people can get a look in. But by far, uh, uh, venison epitomised what Newcastle were about at the time. Blonde, flowing hair, whipping down the wing, great enthusiasm. When he scored, he was always top of the pile, fist clenched. Um, for me, he was the best. Bez, uh, a great little fella, underrated by a lot of people. We haven't had a lot of great left backs. He gets. Well, almost as you say that the way that they played now, that almost is what the modern fullbacks become. Yes. But that was a bit before its time. Really, yes, it was quite shifted yes, at was. that stage yet by then, had it? I mean, the interesting thing, if you if we take a Newcastle longer over a longer period, we had Van Clark who played left back for Newcastle when they won um, the first cup, and then left back for Nottingham Forest when they won the Champions League. Yeah as it is now, the European Cup then. So you can't do better than that. Yet he would never have gotten a modern Newcastle United side because he was what left-backs were in those days. He was a defender. And he, he didn't and couldn't get forward. He had a nosebleed if he got over the halfway <laughs> line. He, he just 
didn't do it, but yet one of the great defenders, and he has admitted himself to me, he said, Gibbo, I wouldn't make a living today, but I wouldn't the top two European yeah. trophies, because in those days a fullback had to actually defend. A lot of fullbacks now are, are, are wingers who have been converted, and he was an out and out fullback. Well, it's almost a important conversation at the moment, just because if you, if you just cast it to very, the right here and right now, Swansea on Sunday in Newcastle are looking for a left back in the fact that Chancellor Member looked like he isn't going to play, he's not a left back anyway. And I, I, from my understanding, Rafa's reluctant to, to just shift Javier Manquillo from one side to the other and put Yedlin on the other side because he doesn't like to have two overly attacking fullbacks. So mm. then you wouldn't have any cover whatsoever. I don't think anyone would argue that Manquillo and Yedlin are far better going forward than they are defensively. Absolutely. And so he, he likes that balance there. But, but even some sides now, Almost, it, 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 the primary objective for a fullback is to attack, and then defence is, is almost secondary. And the art of it is sort of dying yeah, to a certain extent. Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. I suppose on that left back situation is that we haven't really had any decent cover or decent competition for Paul Dummett. You know, well, we just haven't had any in general, and, and it is it, the, the whole left back situation has been a concern for many, many years. Um, and it's just a bit frustrating that we get to what the fourth game in the Premier League season, mm. and we seem to be the situation again but I suppose that's another story for another day Chris your right back choice well because uh, my formation is three centre backs I'm, I'm not going to actually name any of them mm. because they're all three centre backs but I, ha- I do want a couple of honourable mentions there Aaron Hughes will be getting closer for me primarily just because almost what he's done since he left Newcastle and my frustration with when Newcastle let him go is he was he was a, he was a very good player he was very underrated let him go too early let him go too early yeah and he, he later shifted into be a centre back a very accomplished centre back with Fulham for a good number of years, but when he was at Newcastle, obviously played in the Champions League side, was still a young lad, and uh, performed really well in a, in a defence where often his centre backs did let him down to a certain degree. Um, other players who we look towards, I've been mentioning the same ones: Beresford. I thought, uh, from, from I mean, I, from what I can remember, slightly later on, but but I do remember Beresford being a very very good player, and I think Olivier Bernard deserves a bit of a mention. I think yeah. when he was at his best, very common. unfortunately injuries got the better of him. But when he was at his best, when he's at the top of his game, um, I thought Olivier Bernard did very very well, linked up well with Robert down that left hand side, and uh, he was a very accomplished player because I think they got him very little, if not free transfer, wasn't he? So he was a bargain. Really. Yeah, the, the fee was fixed later. There yeah, was a dispute, dispute but, yes. it, but it was peanuts. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, I'm going to go uh, Warren Barton, right back. I thought, you know, he was, I think, the most expensive right back at the time when he arrived, yeah. and he, you know, he showed just why. And then, especially in the first few seasons, a great servant, um, could do, could attack, could defend. It was everything you wanted in a right back. Um, I think, you know, you, you've got a lot of mentions. Like you say, I think Debushi, I think his career has gone down, gone down the swanee, so to speak. But you know, very, very good right back, and it's just a shame it hasn't worked out for him at Arsenal. Um, you know, but like I said, we, we, we've done all right. I think Aaron Hughes again. He could could have played right back. He's another one who deserves a mention. And, and over that left back, like I said, we haven't really been spoiled for choice uh, with left backs. Uh, but for me, you know, I think Barrowside again very good. You know, staple part of that entertainers era. But um, for me, it would be Bernard. I just I just thought Bernard was he was just something a bit special, something a bit different. And you know, he, he could really him and him and Robert. Um, down that left with, with superb and uh, Sir Boy Robson. So for me, it would be uh, it would be Barton and Bernard. So we'll move on now to the centre backs. So we've got quite a few options to choose from. We'll start with you, Chris, with your three. Yeah, well, I've gone three at the back. So um, in terms of the ones that I'll, I'll, I'll go through the, the names who I named, and then I'll give a couple of honourable mentions as well. I have uh, Nigos Dabizas in there. Um, for me, when he was at his best, he was goal scoring centre back as well as. Uh, 
as well as being a competent defender and I think he, he did very well went on to win uh, the Euros with Greece albeit not playing that much but uh, performed during that Champions League era and scored some very important goals as well as, as keeping them out the other end uh, I have Philippe Albert who almost could have, could have played anywhere on the pitch really you could have, you could have played him up front and he, he wouldn't have looked out of place and everyone knows the iconic goals particularly the Manchester United uh, 5-0 the, the lob at the end but just in general just such a such poise on the ball just had a flow about him and, and when you watched him you knew you were, you were watching somebody special and I think he was quite a coup for Newcastle at the time after the 94 World Cup that they managed to get him in and very 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 good player epitomised everything that the entertainers were about uh, and then my other one would be uh, Jonathan Woodgate who unfortunately injuries ravaged his career but I, I think in terms of natural out and out defenders He's one of the most gifted I've seen. When he's on his on his day in the appearances he did make for Newcastle, he was he was absolutely phenomenal at times and really did make any partner he had alongside him at centre back look a far better player than necessarily were. Uh, got his move to Real Madrid. Obviously, we know since subsequently injuries ravaged his career and he's now coaching. He's been scouting as well. But uh, such a such a very 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 talented player who could have done. A lot more uh, if if injuries hadn't affected him. I think he would have been on fifty plus England caps. Um, in terms of uh, other honourable mentions, I'll go Darren Peacock. Uh, had a had a couple of years where I think he, he was he was very good towards the top of his game. Um, Fabrizio Colaccini, uh, when Newcastle were in the Championship and then first got promoted back up, I think there was two or three years where he really upped his game because he struggled when he first came in. And then obviously last couple of years, once he's lost a bit of pace and his attention diverted, things went a bit awry. But uh, I think for, for a period he was a very, very good centre-back and there were a lot of big clubs looking at him. So uh, they're the ones I give honourable mentions to, but my three at the back would be uh, Woodgate, Albert and Davizas. And for you, Gibber, who would be your centre parent? Well, I'm, yeah, it's two in my case because of the way I'm playing. Really, they've, they've been mentioned already. Without doubt, Philip Albert would be one of the two because, I mean, how many centre-halves these days could you see that could chip Schmeichel in open play? I mean, they don't do that. They belt it into Rosette over the top, <laughs> not the centre-halves. Mike Williamson style. Aye, yes, yeah, he was good at that. He, awesome, he should have played rugby for the Falcons <laughs> over the posts. Um, but yeah, Philip Albert was just a different class. Yeah, he, he was a culture defender. He mm. could defend, but everybody remembers him for his ability on the ball. You talk now about wanting your fullback, to, your centre half, to come out with the ball and start things. There's there's Albert for you. Um, as a partner, I had two. One to pick from two. On a sheer ability, I'd pick Woodgate because a, a fabulous player. Um, Got a move to Real Madrid afterwards, had done well at Leeds, absolute quality. The only thing that concerns me about picking him is that he played 37 yeah. games for Newcastle. And the other guy that I thought it was a toss up between the two, Steve Howie, who played 212 games plus 30 as a sub yeah. and won England caps all the time he was here. Um, so I'm torn. If it was on ability and if I could pick him on his best day to pick a player, it would be Woodgate. If I was picking consistency over a Newcastle United career of some depth, it would have to be Steve Howie. Albert just walks in because he's in a position easily. Brian, I wonder if you're going to mention uh, Titus Bramble, who, after, after to be honest, had, in terms <laughs> there's no of, need to mention <laughs> Titus Bramble. In, in terms of when he did play alongside a centre half who who had ability and who could could coach him through a game I actually think Titus could look 
yeah. like a very very good player when he had someone like Woodgate alongside him who almost coached that mistake out of him because we all knew he was able to have a mistake I remember him Boomsong was an absolute disaster I remember listening to one game on the radio and Graham Taylor was commentating and he was just he was just watching the two of them he said he could fit a bus between the two of mm. them but when he actually had a, a centre back alongside him he had all the attributes he was big he was quite quick he could score a goal but obviously we know there was that defensive lapse and he doesn't have the, the class or quality of the other names we've mentioned also I think um, a player who didn't quite fulfil the potentially fair show when he came on I think that's partly due to the fact of the players he played with like Bramble was, was Stephen Taylor I think when he first came through he showed a, a lot of ability and I think he had all the raw component parts but he didn't quite ever reach the potential um, but he did have a long Newcastle career so I think he worth, worth a mention in that sense For me it would be Albert and uh, it would be Woodgate as well I think we're looking at Florian Lejeune and he's probably the closest thing we've, we've had to quality since Woodgate I mean, we mentioned Colaccini for a couple of seasons but Woodgate was just was just sublime it's just a shame Inj- injuries you know, Hamadi's career, um, I think yeah, obviously you've mentioned Stephen Taylor as, as someone who paired with someone like Woodgate, fit Woodgate, would have come on leaps and bounds, you know, he's got that passion, he's got that commitment. It was just a shame that, you know, he, he was put in and there was no one to learn from. Um, and the other person I'd like to mention is Sebastian Besson, who I thought in that season he had with Newcastle, he was absolutely superb and it's no surprise he ended up at Spurs and yeah, it hasn't gone quite a plan. You know, and he had a disastrous season last season for Norwich. But uh, got six relegations, I think now. Yeah. Yeah. and it's a shame because <laughs> <CV> no <though>. said. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the quality was there. It's just a shame that, no, that yeah, it's just see. I think the look of the draw. Um, but for me, yeah, definitely would be um, Albert and Woodgate. And now we've got a tough decision because obviously um, the plan was that we'd have a majority in each position. We don't, so we have to now decide um, on. I think we all agree on Albert. Yeah, Albert. we all agree on Albert. Woodgate's had enough uh, yeah. votes. So we'll I think go we've all talked Woodgate. Yeah. It's just in 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 your case, who the third one would be? Well, you said. Yeah, but we've got four four two majority. So four four two. Then I think it, it has. Oh, yeah. So you've got to go with those two. Yeah. yeah. So full backs. Um, I can see Venison. I can. I can give. I can give Venison and. Yeah, I think uh, I go Venison. Venison. Yeah, and should we go uh, Bernard or Beresford? And Beresford, yeah, I think he's on on par with with Bernard. I think we all again mentioned Beresford at one point, so I think I think probably Beresford, yeah. So it is Beresford. That's the back four there. So we have Venison, Albert, Woodgate, and Beresford. So we will move now on to on to wingers. Um, this could take all day. <laughs> so we'll we'll get started there on the uh, right wing. I've taken for the right side for winger Nobby Solano, and I've taken for the left side David Ginola. Um, for me, Robert was a, a, a top-class player, but he was the poor man's Ginola, not the rich man's Ginola. <laughs> he was the poor man's Ginola. Ginola had it all. I remember him coming and being so staggered. The first He came here and everybody said, who's, who's this? One of the early foreign inputs. Now we have them all the time. Now, I remember talking to Terry McDermott, who was number two to Kevin Keegan up here at the time. And he said, Gibbo, when I watched him on the first day of training, flicking the ball in it, but, but not, not like a circus act, actually doing something with it. He said, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I saw his first season up here. Um, he played against Middlesbrough in about a second or third home game. They doubled up on him. That, that if the full back on him and somebody round the back, and he would come out from both of them with the ball, could finish lethally as well as lay goals on. A complete nutter entertainer, played with the, the swagger, the the way he looked, he was a handsome, arrogant, 
looking guy and he played like that on the field uh, quite quite special for me um, and I would have to go for him I'd go for Nobby Robert deserves a mention Sellers deserves a mention Gillespie deserves a mention we've had some good good wingers but Nobby I always felt was underrated um, he, he, he was compact clever great vision never pushed himself off the park liked him a lot I would go with those two up right for me. Definitely. I mean, when Ginola arrived, it was it was it was kind of one of the first foreign imports. Yeah, it was. You watched him and what he could do with the shocked ball. People it just, rigid. It shocked people rigid. Shocked McDermott rigid. It had seen an awful lot in his time. What a quality player he was with Liverpool, Definitely. England, and Newcastle. McDermott, and you just come away and said, "What on earth have we got here? I can't believe it." You know, um, and I can understand that because a couple of weeks later, when the fans saw him for the first time, they were asking the same question. Yes. He tapered off just before he left, which was a sadness because his mind got scrambled. Um, Barcelona had come in from now. Come on, Barcelona. He's a Frenchman. He's not a Geordie. So you know, leaving to go to Barcelona. And Keegan, who was wonderful at getting uh, winning players over, persuaded him to stay and said, "What we can do, we can actually win the the title here." And then within about four months, Keegan walked out on the club in the middle of the season. Uh, when we were second top, having finished runners up yes. the previous season, and Ginola never um, forgiven for that. He said, "You know, you persuaded me to stay because we were all going on collectively to do this, and then you leave." Yeah. And, and he, his heart was never in it from there and on in, and he, he left. But obviously, with Ginola, some criticisms about the fact he didn't really track back. But I suppose you've got to give the rough of the smooth really because what he could do I, I honestly forward. think so I mean to be truthful yes and it is essential these days and in a team game you had Giggs and Beckham they they track back at yeah. Man U when they won things but you know it, it's one of those things what do you want do you want a workhorse or do you want a derby winner um, and you know McDonald used to get nailed for not tracking back he scored over 30 goals every season and they wanted him to track back and I can understand why but he said listen I keep my pace for up there let the defenders get the ball and do the defending. If they crack it up there, I'll take on two defenders on my own, put the ball in the back of the net, and inevitably he did. So I would always look at somebody from their ability to do the first job they're supposed to do. It's the end product, isn't it? Yeah. When you get out of them, and if he, if yeah. he produces the good McDonald's scores, if, if Ginola creates the goals and scores them. That's great. Let, let this, the defenders defend. And... Um, I, having said that, I, I like people that can do both, and yeah. Giggs and Beckham were capable, but they were exceptional. But Ginola, for what he could do on the ball, was miles ahead of a lot we've had over our full history. Definitely for you, Chris. I mean, you're well. You're not got. Are you got wingers for? Yes, I've got wingers yet for midfield. So wingers wise, um, I agree totally with with Gibbo's choice. I've gone for the the same two. I mean, Nobby oh. Solano, um, just. I agree, such an underrated footballer, Techni technically superb. The way you could could inch perfect curl a ball in the box and you knew Shearer was going to be there, you knew whoever was going to be in the box, you could you could feed it down the line, he'd have Dyer overlapping or whoever it may be. And he, his vision was exceptional. I remember he was so, what I always liked about him as well was I remember specifically the moments where uh, Newcastle had indirect free kicks in the box and he was so good at... at waiting to pass the ball when the the, the, the defence would start to run the wall would start to come out and you go oh hang on a second and as they were retreating he'd give it and then Shearer could smack it in it was just 
a, a great footballing brain, and yeah, when he came back, I think he was he was he was brilliant. He even reverted to right back at times, and showed he could he could perform that role as well. Even when he lost a bit of his pace going forward, he still had the ability to his set plays were just exceptional. He scored some important goals as well than against Derby yeah. and against Leeds. You know, some Very really important. important goals. I think I think the interesting things what Chris just said there. You know, he's underrated because mm. he made things look simple. Yeah. Well, good players make it look simple because it's simple to them they, they've, they've just got the ability on the ball you thought ah oh, he's just flicked that ball in that's nice it? but he didn't make a song dance about it but I know the people that played through the middle loved him I'm sure I loved him yeah he arrived on a kind of daglish didn't he and you could, you could argue that was maybe kind of best best uh, bit of business for Newcastle well considering some of the other bits of business yeah. I would say that's true <laughs> I didn't yes. want to say that. <laughs> the thing with Nobby as well is that he, he really embraced the culture and lifestyle of yes, him, him and his band in the middle of Newcastle, and it was he. It's not just the fact of how, how good a footballer he was. He really became part of of the furniture he had during his, his time in the northeast. Loved it, loved Newcastle. Loved it, yeah. Yeah. I remember being in the stand when when Owen was signed, and we all started chanting, you know, sign Nobby Solano and Freddie Shepard got caught got caught along with the uh, with the chant in the day later. There was Solano back from there. Uh, he's brief spell at Aston Villa and you know it just, it just showed that the fans felt he should never have gone and you know Absolutely. Him back. Going yeah. for left 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 wing I also go uh, Ginola I mean I only in terms of actual physically seeing him live I only saw him a couple of times but there's there's not many footballers who when you watch they do things that really take your breath away I, I can think of a few moments straight away Papi Cissé's goal away at Chelsea and obviously the, the spectacular mm. one I can think of Dennis Bergkamp sco- uh, flicking it past Abby's ass and scoring. Yeah, yeah um, and Ginola would be another one of them. It just that what he was able to do with the football oh. it was absolutely incredible. Against, uh, in the European Cup against Frankfurt, yeah, that one. It's easy to say that. Just phenomenally gifted footballer, and when you when you have so, I can see exactly when people are saying, I agree with Gibbo. Yeah, you want players to do both, but with someone like that, with a mercurial personality like that. He was never going to change. That no. was how he was. That's that what he believed. It. He he wanted to do the beautiful things with the football, and he was good enough to be able to just be allowed to do that. And yes, sometimes you, you'd lament the fact that the fullback would be overloaded because two of their players are coming up. But then you know, like I go and win your game by himself. And it's when it when a player is that good, you can't forgo them having to do the hard work. And I think he was one of them. But that well, that that's why I have Beresford playing fullback behind him yeah. because <laughs> Beresford did, and Beresford worked like a Trojan, but found a way. Of doing it and got to know you know this play. In covering Newcastle and back then, I mean, did Beresford ever? I, I can't remember Beresford ever complained about. It. He just got on with the job and said, "Right, I'm going to take a hit." And yeah, he complained to me privately <laughs> sometimes, but he never complained publicly about it. And um, yeah, he, he got on with the job. I mean, I, I do think he was about eight foot six when he come here and he ran himself into ground, and that's how he turned out to be three foot six. But he he, he was a good player in his own right. He believed. What Keegan believed. Yeah. He believed I might be running about covering for this guy, but this guy will unlock the door mm. when we need to unlock the door. And how many players now in the current Newcastle side or the recent Newcastle sides can you say, uh, you, you know, I'll rely on him? You could when Shiva was here. How, how often can you say it now that this guy will go on Saturday and, uh, on Sunday and score the winning goal? Or you could with, with Ginola and a couple more on that side. I'll, I'll, I'll also give an honourable mention to Lauren Robert because I think yeah. I agree he was to a certain extent a poor man to know I think it's to his 
Uh, it's unfortunate for him that Janola had been there and had the legacy at Newcastle because he was to, to live up to that is, is something quite exceptional. But Robert didn't quite have the poison grace of of Ginola, but what he had was a wicked left foot, which Goals, what he could score. do, what he could score and do with that left foot was was phenomenal. And you knew he could he could put it on nine pence if he wanted to. Two against um, Spurs. Oh, the two two absolute world beaters in the game. Yeah, I mean again another European guy. Oh, Fulham, sorry, scored that. Another player I'll put a mention in for, although not necessarily an out and out winger. You could almost put him in in the the number ten role I've got, but someone who by no means was, was up to their level never reproduced it for Newcastle but another player who on occasion I remember the first time seeing him play he came on as a substitute against Everton hadn't been off him and what he what again he the way he I remember running at a full back and just the way he beat the man he didn't seem to do anything special but he absolutely bamboozled the full back and got past him and whipped the ball in the box and it, again it's just that ability to be able to, to, to beat a man I mean he scored a couple of phenomenal goals the Bolton and Blackburn goals Lucky that he never produced it anywhere near enough for Newcastle. Everton, yes, yeah. never produced it anywhere near enough for Newcastle, and certainly shouldn't be mentioned alongside Janola or Robert. But in terms of honourable mentions, in terms of actual ability, Ben Arthur should be up there. He hasn't made of his career what he should have done, but I think that that in terms of actual out and out ability, he's, he's certainly up there. When when we talked about Janola not tracking back and not doing every job. Yeah. I find Ben Arthur so frustrating, it's untrue. He's had a wasted career, he's had the ability to be talked about in the way we're talking about these others, but for me, I never will, because for all those great goals that he scored, they're three shots, four shots in a Newcastle United career. The rest of the time, and by the way, he would stand out on the, uh, on the wing and pick his nose or sulk, where Ginola would be great going that way. Uh, his is a wasted career, and we've seen a lot of that at yeah. Newcastle and elsewhere in football because he had so much ability, yeah. and he's now 30, and where is he? Yeah. Well, paying for the PSG. Yes. PSG, sir. I rest uh, my touch again. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I'm going to go Ginola left, uh, left mid. I don't think there's any dispute about that. It makes it nice and easy for us to do, to the, do team the overall second. team. Um, but like you say, I mean, the goal he scored against Fersh, I can't pronounce Frank it. Frank yeah. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but it seems to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, just the way he got the ball over the defence. I mean, you could watch that a thousand times over there. I mean, just absolute poison skill. The goal against uh, Liverpool, I think, when he ran on and got it around David James in the 4 4 3, if I'm not mistaken. You know, there's just so many great things he did. Um, and on the right, you see, when I did this on Twitter, I put Beardsley on the right because I wanted to get him in the team. And I felt you could just give him a free roll and say, right, you go out there and do that. Because for me, Beardsley's the, the greatest player oh. I've ever seen in Newcastle. And I'm sure we'll get on to that. And I'm kind of tempted to stick with that because... Of the two, yeah, the two... I'm just thinking because... Yeah, I can't have a team without Beardsley. And so I'm going to go Beardsley on the wing and say, on the right and say, just have a free roll. Obviously, Solano, fantastic player. You can't argue with that either. And Keith Gillespie, you know, the the anniversary of the Barcelona games coming up next next week. And he, um, he made the goals for her spear. You know, he, Fabulous. I, I was speaking to him a few months back and he said, you know, I wish I'd played like that <laughs> all my career. And you can't, I mean, yeah, that, but you can't, can yeah, you? But you know, yes. Yeah. But I mean, that was that was some performance by Gillespie on that day, you know, and he had speed. And whenever when he arrived, you know, part of that Andy Coldy, everybody thought, what's Keegan done? I tell you what, he, he went on to prove. That actually, it wasn't the worst deal uh, in the world. But, sure. Um, yeah. Out now, winger. Out now, winger. Yeah. You don't, you don't totally. But you don't see that. You don't much see that much speed and the, the precision. But um, yeah, for me, Beardsley on the wing, on the right, and Ginola on the left. Um, 
Mm. And I see it. Mm. So, so do you know I get in the team and then who, who, who's going on the right then? Bjergsen. Oh, and then the collaborative one, no? Oh, now as I know, right now. So it's Gina, Ginola on the, on, the, on the left, uh, on the right. Well, well guys, we both, yeah, we both we'll said Solano. Solano gets in the team. And I think BLT's probably going to feature in both of us anyway. So. I would be very surprised if we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that's uh, Solano on the right and Ginola on the left. We'll go centre mids now. And again, I caused a bit of a stir on Twitter last week when I suggested Ginola as centre mid. So I'm going to start. Uh, Ginola's centre mid. Who's the centre mid on Twitter last week when I suggested my two? So I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to probably stick with it actually I'm going to definitely go Gary Speed in the centre uh, I thought you know that he was that defensive kind of midfielder that we kind of needed but he could pass he could pass the ball he could spray the ball which way and every way but he could kind of control it unlike Batty who was in theory who you know they did a bit more of a dirty job um, not to take anything away from them but for me Gary Speed was mm. was just uh, it was just a brilliant player just uh, everything he did you know it was brilliant in the air I don't think we Oh, yeah, fabulous yeah, fabulous guy we speed some and the header against uh, the Sheffield Wednesday score I think he scored an absolute maybe, no, maybe against Spurs he scored an absolute pearl at the header you just think I think it was on the edge of the box and you just think how, how has he managed to do that um, so yeah speed in the middle and who's your other one you see it's it's a toss up between Rob Lee and Yuan Kabai for me um, modern or Yuan Kabai you know the way he could pass the ball and open up teams you know the, the pass against Stoke I think got like Remy onto the ball what I mean it was an absolute brilliant pass and the thing that lets him down was probably his attitude I think he, he never always gave 100% he kind of he got the feeling he thought he was maybe a bit better than Newcastle and on strike when I say, but you can't blame him for the, for the way the direction the club went I suppose at that time you know they didn't build on that, that fifth place finish you can blame um, him for going on strike though. Yeah. you can yes um, obviously there's weird deals with disappointment isn't there yeah. it's um, sort of the folly of the, the club at the time that they'd sold the vision to him that he was coming in for to go on just to, to other things Newcastle were seen as a stepping stone and that was the problem this should the club should never be sold as that the yeah, club this should be absolutely. the pinnacle for them they should be aiming for the best with Newcastle and unfortunately the way they sold it to him and then didn't deliver that, that, that with the frustration don't get me wrong you can never excuse him for going on strike but the frustration you sort of understand to a certain extent for me I'm going to go I'm going to yeah I am going to go Gabby Speed and Johan Kabai with Rob Lee on par, it would be a toss up between them two, but um, yeah, <laughs> Rob Lee didn't like that when a fan tweeted him last week to reveal my team to him, so I apologise, Rob, but I'm sticking with you, Anne. Uh, for you, Gibble? Uh, well, I've, I've got two. Um, I've gone for Peter Beardsley in there. I mean, you picked him out wide, he'll, he'll no doubt be somewhere in Chris's side, because Peter Beardsley is so good, he could play absolutely anywhere. And he proved it when he played in goal for Newcastle at, at West Ham. When they, when that, uh, the only thing I wouldn't have done is play him in goal because of his height. But he could play anywhere else that he wanted to play. He was that good. He is the ultimate quality um, that I've seen. He is the best player I've seen yeah, at Newcastle yeah, United. Considering how long I've been covering Newcastle United, I think I don't say that lightly. He is the most talented of the lot, and isn't it wonderful? He's also a Jody. Um, but that's. For me, he's the very, very best. Now, if I've got him attacking um, behind two strikers, I've got to have somebody in the side that can break up things. And I've gone for Gary Speed as well. Um, I thought he was a phenomenal player all round, could score goals, could certainly win the ball, attitude first, first class. The only other guy that he was up against that could have got in my two was Robley, and I didn't put him in because 
if I'd put them in with speed and used Beardsley, say, out and out up front, then there would have been 2-1 pace in the middle of the field, Wobbly and Gary Speed together, because they they had virtually everything going for them, but the one thing neither had was pace. Um, but Wobbly would be my, very much my um, major sort of also run. Um, oh, I mean, I've got Kabai down here. Bracewell played exceptionally well for Newcastle. And other Kieran Dyer, uh, on, a, on a good day with his quick pace and good feet, and was regular in the England what about Jermaine side. Jermaine Dean, do you think he, do you think he was, Dean yeah. is also on this list, uh, without a shadow of doubt. Were well, well served uh, by midfielders, and we can't get them all in. On ability, somebody could have put Didier Man, but I wouldn't, because I would on ability and what he went on to achieve, but he's, he had one season at Newcastle. He messed them about, his heart was never here. Sorry, I want you to care about my club before I pick him in the side. And and he didn't show an awful lot of it. The interesting thing about Dyer was I remember the stage that we'd always get he'd say he'd always get in the England squad and he'd always come on and, and look really good because he'd come on as a substitute. And that was the thing with Kieran Dyer, is he because he would start games from Newcastle, he'd have fleet and fits and starts, but he didn't produce it quite often enough. When he did produce it the pace, blistering pace, particularly on the count, Newcastle on the counter attack in that stage, when they had Bellamy as well, and he had uh, the ability for Solano and then Robert to pick them out, and he really could show it. And I remember you'd hear lots of fans of other clubs seeing him play for England say, "How is this? How is this guy not not going to a, to a bigger club?" And I think it was just the fact that he didn't produce it quite often enough. But when he could, he was yeah, riddled. He was riddled with injuries as well. That was the biggest thing that held him back, as Woodgate was, etc. He, he always, he, he almost was a walking. Injury, wounded, yeah. yeah, walking wounded, and, and and that was a shame for everybody. Yeah, and and one of the shames is now everybody remembers him for fighting for the Northern Area Flyweight title <laughs> with uh, Bowie <laughs> on, yeah, on the field. I couldn't believe it that day, right in front of me, watching two Newcastle players who couldn't, neither of them could punch their way out of a paper bag, <laughs> trying to whack each other with handbags. You know, it was the most amazing thing. But he was a good player. And the late great Chick Teori, I mean, them first couple of seasons. He was absolutely sublime, wasn't he? And then even the last kind of six months, I know he wasn't fully fit, but he showed glimpses of you know, how good of a player he was, Chris. If you were looking for just an out-and-out enforcer and someone who's going to sit in midfield, check Teori for the first 18 months, two years he was at Newcastle. I think you'd struggled to have found a better player in the Premier League really at doing that job at that time. It was almost, it wasn't quite, but it was almost getting towards Claude McAleary. He was absolutely brilliant. He was looked at by some of the biggest clubs, Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, all these teams did look at him. Unfortunately, again, focus shifted. Another player whose fitness was an issue and whenever he did have an injury, it would always drag on for longer than he ever thought. He would go back to to the Ivory Coast and then by the t- it would always take him three or four games to get back up to, to his right level. Then his head was turned a bit and he lacked motivation. But for those first 18 months, him and Kabai were excellent together and I think as an out-and-out defensive midfielder, there's few better that Newcastle have had in the last 20-25 years. Um, so I think he does deserve an honourable mention. He, he wouldn't get into my team though, again an honourable mention to Johan Kabai when he was at his best. He was really he unlocked defences and he's, he's what Newcastle lacked for a good few years after he left they didn't replace him obviously they had failed experiments like De Jong and whatnot, but they never really brought in someone else who could spread a pass and really pick unlock defences like him in the middle of the park but the, I mean my three is sort of a I'd have two of them sitting slightly deeper and then I'd have Beardsley in the hole um, so I, I may as well mention him now yeah Beardsley would be my one just being the striker in the number 10 role I mean as, as Kibbo says you could, you could play him anywhere um, 
almost a player who got better with age to a certain degree. Even yeah. if it's phenomenal as he was, he just he yes, just, he did. He just yes, he did because experience come with age, exactly. which is why he got better. But his vision, his ability on the ball, yeah. his velvet touch. You know. I mean, I was working with Andy Cole the other week, and he said, "Gibbo, you'll never believe what it was." They were together when when Cole smashed the record with 41 yeah. goals, and he says, "I can't believe." He used to just take him to the side when he first come and said, "Look, don't run about, stand still." The defenders will run about. You will create space just by standing still. You'll know when to go. When I get the ball in the room, that's the time to go. And he said I learned so much up from him. I, I was so privileged to be allowed to mature my game alongside Beardsley when I could have been anybody else. And he was that good without the shadow. Just natural ability and, and vision, as Gibble says. And the, the way that he made the players around him look better as mm. well, just by those passes. Oh, and without a shadow of you could You would have to fit him somewhere in the team, and I'm sure that, that everyone who's, who's, who's seen him play would agree. And I was speaking to, to John all a few months ago, and he was saying about when Keegan first came to him and said he wanted to sign Beardsley. He was in his early to mid 30s at the time, and, and John Hall was, was reluctant. I'm sure Gibble remembers the actual time itself, and yeah. then, then, then he, he went to to Keegan a, a while later and he said you, you were totally right Kevin it's phenomenal one of the best signings they made without a shadow just got better with age didn't he I mean yeah but if he was available today oh. you know God the amount of money it would cost well, he'd be going like the Paris Saint-Germain yeah, would yeah. be signing him for that sort of money without a shadow and ironically we played a, a game at St James's Park a couple of weeks ago and he was in goal yeah he was yeah. So. So, uh, well he gets obsessed with that I remember going out with Walls End Boys Club to um, Hong Kong and he went out to play in the old team side and the, the invitation for them was phenomenal because the, the amount of quality players Walls End Boys Club with oh. he played in goal for Walls End Boys Club are you just obsessed uh, since you played down at West Ham he thinks he's, I think he's got to prove himself a goalkeeper because he can <laughs> yeah. play anywhere from 2 to 11 to be fair he did it right we only conceded two goals at half time before he came out we got yeah. to be 10-1 but we'll not get into that <laughs> um, Best not. so my other two midfielders I'd go for again they've both already been mentioned uh, Rob Lee does get a spot on my in my team Um Again, a, a bargain of a signing, and, and a player who I'm sure that a lot of a lot of Newcastle fans will look at and say, you look at the time in the Premier League and for the fee that he came in for, and what he gave them over more than a decade-long period, absolute bargain. Oh, terrific uh, player! Could score, could play slightly further forward, then later in his career moved slightly deeper, could even be forced to play out wide if necessary. I can say when he first came, he played wide. wide he was, yeah, he was a very good player on, on the right side, and then as pace went. He tucked in. That's yeah. a sign of a good professional because he did adapt his game as, as the pace went. As he, he did, and he's someone who had a, obviously both on and off the field had an excellent relationship with Alan Shearer and got the very best out of oh, him yeah, as well. With sure. the two of them, he could you know, remember Shearer nodding the ball on and Lee would would overlap and score goals. And um, yeah, someone who just naturally gifted, uh, but also worked very hard at his game and uh, would again get the best out of his teammates just because he would do some of the hard work, but then also score the goals there alongside him. Uh, Gary Speed. Um, Unfortunately, obviously left us a few a few years ago, but but a phenomenal phenomenal uh, footballer. Again, some a player who got better with age. Probably let him go too soon, even mm -hmm. though he's in his mid thirties. Went to Bolton, eventually went on to Sheffield United after that as well, and played very well. But a player uh, who really epitomised that's a Bobby Robson team who uh, got into the Champions League. Uh, he worked very hard, but also had tons of ability, as you say, great in the air for a bloke. It wasn't that's that tall, tall, but no. phenomenal in the air. Had such an engine on him though. He like, did, he just yeah. Could not stop running. And a natural leader as well in that team. That team had leaders, and he was he was one of them certainly. 
And you see, you mentioned the relationship between uh, Lee and, and Shearer, but it was you know them three were the core of that team. They were, you know, good friends off the pitch. You know, you know, great working relationship on it. And it, you know, them three were really the, the, the kind of the core of that Super Robson team. And uh, to say to tell Shane mm-hmm. that yeah, you know he's no longer with us because again, great coach, and he was going to be become by the looks of it, a great manager as well. So um, yeah, so that is your team. So what we got? We got Solano and Ginola either side. Speed yeah. is the uh, the centre mid man, and we now need to decide on the other one. So um, well, we're going well, to we're gonna have speed in G- in Beardsley. We've all mentioned speed. Yeah, and and where you're going to put him? You've yeah. got to put him in the side. I put him in the centre midfield just to give me two forwards. <laughs> out and out forwards. <laughs> But I mean, you can't not blame me. I mean, he's the number one in, in the side for all of us. And I suspect we're, we're all going to have the same number nine, but I suspect. No, sure. <laughs> I might do. Right. I suspect okay. the other striker might throw a bit of a debate has already on mm-hmm. social media. So start with you, Gibbo. Um, well, the number to? nine's obvious. Um, Alan Shearer by a million miles, and that would be over the history of Newcastle United as well. Uh, even when you include Supermac and Wynn Davies and um, Jackie Milburn and way back to the man that started it, Huey Gallagher, he would still go for Shearer in my humble opinion. Although I wasn't old enough to see Gallagher, which everybody seems to be surprised about. He's <laughs> the only player that I wasn't old enough to see. But um, yeah, Alan Shearer, I mean, dear God, he's the club's record goal scorer. He, he was captain of England. He, he can do everything that sh- the typical English bulldog centre forward. Muscles, great finish, good in the air, um, lack pace, so what? He didn't lack it by that much that it made a big difference because a lot of his pace was up there, was in the head. So I've gone for Shearer and yes, there'll be a lot of contention on the other position. I've gone for Les Ferdinand just because everybody said they couldn't play together. Um, and they were the, for one season, they were the most phenomenal partnership Yes, with the possible exception of Andy Cole and Beardsley, they'd have seen play for Newcastle up front. Um, great, great ability. They played together when Man United were beaten five, um, etc. So I would go for Ferdinand with great mentions for Andy Cole for his great 41-goal season. Not a penalty in the 41 goals, by the way, which takes some flipping doing. All natural play. Tino Esprit, uh, a low... A lot of people would say that Billy Smart could have made a bid for him and put him in his circus. Um, but uh, he, his ability on a good day at uh, Barcelona was phenomenal. But I believe you've got to have more consistency in that to get him an all-round Newcastle side than he lacked consistency. Andy Carroll, big bulldog type centre-forward on a day, injured too often. We didn't quite see like, the best of him. Thirty-six million or something to go to Liverpool. Why to take that? Definitely, but I mean, got, I think got eleven goals in the first six months, didn't he? Before you got that move to Liverpool, so it proved without just a, without a shadow of quality. Of and and Bellamy, I would in, include in the honourable mentions. And and if it could cause trouble in an empty house, but uh, he was he was a good striker <laughs> and he had a lot of pace, and uh, therefore he's got to get an honourable mention. But I'm certain Shearer strolls in at number nine. Everybody discusses who goes alongside him. I'll stick my vote in for Sir Les. For you, Chris? Well, it's not going to be as controversy-filled as you might have thought because <laughs> I've, got, I've got the same joke up front. I mean, as, yeah. uh, as Gibbo says about Shearer, the ability to to just know when to arrive into the box, oh. to, to all the different goals he scored as well, and um, everyone talks about the headers, and the, but he could score any goal. I mean, I remember the, 
I think my favourite Alan Shearer goal is the volley against Aston Villa where he's on the right hand side of the box and he caresses it to, to the to the no, top left hand corner. I disagree with you. My, I think the one against Chelsea when he turns to Sae and hits it all what from thirty yards and I mean that's when he's getting to the end of his career and he just leaves the way he turns to Sae and hits it with so much power. To be fair, there's two hundred and six. I was going to say that <laughs> we haven't got long enough to go on each goal, guys. So <laughs> I mean he he would. Shearer would be the centre forward in the Premier League's 25 year old yes, team, yeah. not Newcastle United's well, in the Premier League. This is how it all started, the BBC did it. Yeah, did it and he was the centre forward, and quite yeah, likely. Because only, only now has, has Rooney been the second player to pass the 200 goal mark, and even then he's still 50, or 60 story shy of, uh, of Shearer. And the so way he's going, he's not going to get them. No, well, like, exactly, <laughs> and just uh, that the, it's just phenomenal how far ahead he is in that, and this is. You have you also taken out a couple of years, a few four or five years before that, where he was a professional footballer, but before the age of the Premier League, mm. and it was those. Uh, it arguably you could even to a certain extent argue his, his best form was at Blackburn when they won the league well, and they came into Castle, uh, but to to score over such a long period as well, mm. and he's another player who adapted his game because his game also he never had that much pace, but he did lose it to the end of his career. He did. He had he that bad have, injury, remember? That's it. Etc. He completely. I mean, he he, he went. Bobby Robson had a lot to do with it when he first came and got a hold of him because he was standing flat on the goal and he wanted him to be on the half turn for when the ball comes over his shoulder so he, where he was playing flat on or with his back completely the goal and you just want him to turn that little bit the adoption of his game give him extra years and that's possibly so that's possibly what Wayne Rooney's going to lose whether he, uh, it can be your overall fitness as well but with Wayne Rooney I don't know that he's adapting his game He's adapting his game to where he can go in midfield and hold him and play about, but he's not going to score the number yeah, exactly. of goals late in his career that Shearer did. But Shearer obviously lost quite a few years through injury. Oh, he, of course he did. Um, of course he, he did. could have many, many more goals. Yeah. But the other key thing is that after the Keegan years and in between the, the Boy Robson and then after Boy Robson left, he, he carried the team. You could argue he carried the team. Oh. And as you look at Rooney, he's always been in a team full of stars. Where she was actually at a carry well, I mean, team, and he's the, been the simple thing to ask is how on earth did Newcastle United not pick up any silverware whatsoever when they had the best centre forward in the country by a million miles, and they still didn't. Let, I mean, that is unbelievable. What's even more frightening is think if he hadn't been with us, yes, where we would have been. If that, if that goal had gone in in the FA Cup instead of coming back off the post and things might have been just a little bit different well he, he took us to Wembley the two times in the 90s he scored the semi-final goals yeah, and a goal against Spurs when well it just, it, it's just as, as Gibble said there's absolutely no debate about it even, no. even Premier League wise he just is a natural goal scorer but also He's a, again a leader, an absolute leader. Oh, he was, he, he exactly. as you see, he carried that Newcastle team, but he was the he was the captain. Even what even before he had the armband, he gelled, he turned into that captain because he embodied everything about the football club as well. He was he was it, it's his club. He was he was who the the fans adored rightly because he scored, but also just because of what he put into it. And it still is as well. Well, very much so. And I mean, he, he was he was good enough leader to captain England regularly. Yeah. Never mind Newcastle United. Exactly, and uh, alongside him, I would go uh, Ferdinand as well, just for the the, fa- the fact that, as Gibbs, everyone said they couldn't play together, but there was also, let's not forget, uh, Celeza's season before that, where he played Correct. without without Shearer, and absolutely brilliant, arguably the best forward in the country that year, um, alongside Shearer, obviously, where he was at Blackburn, but um, just 
again, the, the way he, he was able to hang in the air and, and head a ball, and I think in terms of technique for heading a ball, other than Andy Carroll slightly, is slightly different because Andy Carroll would really put his neck into it, but Les Ferdinand, just, you watch when he, the way that he was able to head a ball and the power he could generate. Um, I mean, that was his, his, his strong ability, but also very good in terms of just out-and-out out finisher with his feet. And I think the two of them together, any defence wouldn't know how to cope with them, uh, rather than the fact that they brought it away from each other. All they did was defenders didn't know who to mark because they knew if they if they only had one on one on each, the likelihood is the two of them were going to beat them in in some scenario. Uh, Honourable mentions again. I'd, I'd put Bellamy in there just for the fact that when he was playing alongside Shearer, he had the perfect foil really for Shearer at that stage of his career. Uh, he would hot, he would head it on, and then Bellamy would run him behind. Uh, Personality-wise, I don't think he'd, he'd be high up. <laughs> um, Andy Cole, uh, in terms of pure finisher, I think the best one of the best pure finishers uh, the country's ever produced. To be honest with you, the, that season where he scored forty odd goals, but in general, just just out and out finishing. He went on to do it with Man U for did, years after that. Exactly. Um, yeah, Andy Carroll. Unfortunately, it was only a few months, so uh, I think struggling in there. I, I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give a, a couple of honourable mentions as well to. Uh, Papi Cissé for his 12, for his 12 months when he first came, particularly the first six months, um, he was playing as well as anyone in the country, scoring goals that were incredible. And that, I think that was, after a few months, Newcastle fans suddenly realised that can he really keep producing goals mm. like this? It wasn't it wasn't the normal goals he was scoring. They were spectacular. There was a goal at Villa, there was a two at Chelsea. Game after game, he was just scoring absolute world-class goals. And it was... But for that period, and also Demba Bar for Demba the Bar, fact that good player, yeah, good underrated player. by a lot of people, good player, very much so. Who again carried that team to a certain extent. Uh, Pardew messed around the two of them and ended up playing them out wide at different points, and I think that really affected both their Newcastle careers, both CC and Bar, at various different points. But uh, yeah, Demba Bar came in in a free transfer. They weren't sure about his knee, but his knee held out and turned out to be a very good sign and when Chelsea did snap him up for 7 million then Newcastle really suffered after that I mean all round Chris I thought Bard had the edge on Sissi yeah, all round game as opposed to just finishing you could actually yeah. play Sissi was a finisher yeah. you couldn't play you didn't want Sissi to get the ball in build up well, that's you wanted him to be on the end of it no he could never play in there but Bar was much better than a lot of people realised oh, he was yeah. a good player for me, it's Sheeran Fernand. Oh, so um, full so <laughs> exactly full house. Yeah, I think just for the wingers, when you put the ball in, you want to know that if the number nine misses it, but the number ten's there, gets set on it, it's in the back of the net. And that's what you had. You had. You knew the ball dropped to one of them in the box, it was going to go in. With Bellamy, not too short on the head, and you know, no. CC like you say, you could you could miss from four yards and then score from thirty. You know, it's you wanted to know that. If it dropped with somebody nine times out of ten, they were getting the back of the net, and they just—I think they just epitomised everything about that Keegan team, and it, but more so about what the fans wanted to see: working hard, 100%. We'll go to the ends of the earth, and we'll 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 make sure that we will just work our socks off, and you know that's exactly what they did. I mean, five 0 against. What I was going to say, the, the great match you would remember for Newcastle if you had to remember one game would be Man U. Definitely. And Shearer scored in that game. Ferdinand scored in that game. Ginola scored in that game. That's why he would, that's why they're in this TV. Well, okay. just it, it's and when you have players who can provide the service to the forwards like Beardsley, like crossing from Ginola and, and Solano, you want, as you say, players who are going to who are going to meet them and, and score sure. the goals. And between Shearer and Ferdinand, if they were provided with the service from, obviously Shearer and Ferdinand did benefit from from Ginola and Shearer, but you had uh, Ginola and Beardsley, so we add Solano into that and. You, 
it'd just be goals galore. They, they would guarantee you goals yeah. those two when, when the ball was put in right and those guys that we are talking about put them in right. Definitely, I think it speaks volumes as well because both Shiro and Fernand continue to score goals well on into their, their final seasons. Mm. I mean, Fernand, I think... Nearly 40, I think. Yeah, and we'll continue to do it. And you've got players like, like that. I mean, Ted Shome is another example. I mean, if you were going to talk about strikers of the Premier League, I mean, you know, Shome's up there with Shiro and Fernand and... You know Ian Wright and all those, and there was they, they scored goals well into their career, and mm. you know you, you don't get that old old uh, fashioned centre forward anymore, do no. you really? And no. um, it's the way it's, it's gone past the dying breed. I just don't think you, you see it. Not very anymore at all. Um, and well, well, yeah, there we have it. So there's no discussion there. I was going to say we've all picked the same two. Amazing. What I wanted to ask is, uh, present day players. Maybe we'll go back to. To um, maybe we'll start maybe soonest on Allardyce's teams. There's not really anyone that comes anywhere near. I suppose maybe we can mention you and about the Barcelona. Si, but other than that, you look at it and you think we've not really matched the quality we've saw in the in the mid 90s. Well, yeah, if you go beyond um, Keegan and Robson yeah. time, which were the best two managers. I mean, uh, Keegan took us from the edge of the third division, the old third division, to run us up in the. Um, in the Premier League, yeah. and really run us up twice. I mean, he only took the first half of the, ne- the following season, then Dalgrish come in and made a complete pig's ear of it the season afterwards. He got rid of um, Ferdinand, of course, not to mention Ginola and everybody else, but Ferdinand, ridiculous, absurd. Uh, but if you go past that and Bobby, who, who played about 12 or 15 Champions League games in mm. one season because... Um, there was the two, two group groups, stages yeah. and we finished third as well yeah. and he fielded his best side in all those games now if the poor dears play twice in a week they've got to have a nice rest on a deck chair before they can play again I mean I remember Newcastle playing um, when they played in the cup final about a week before they played in the Texaco cup final which was a joke in 10 of the 11 they played at Wembley played in the Texaco cup final before they went to Wembley uh, and won the Texaco cup incident but you know uh, there's a different myth. I don't think that in recent times we've had a lot of players that have got outside of Kabai and honourable mentions for, say, Denver Bourne, people like that. We haven't been inundated with, with great players. Hatton Ben Arthur ought to have been one of those, yeah. um, without a shadow of doubt. Tim Krul, given a mention. But Tim Krul, as well, who is the one that's round, I do believe was in a genuine position. But for somebody of Shea Given's quality, Tim Krul could have easily yeah. been in the side. And what, what do you make of the you know the strikers we've got? They obviously got Dwight Gale, Alexander Milovic. Yeah. Well, what's your view on that? I think the shake of the head says well, it all there. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. <laughs> um, I'm praying that we've got enough to, to get by. My simple situation is that if Rafa Benitez is as good a manager as we all believe he is, and as the fans believe he is, and he is as good as that, he was willing to sell Gale and Milovic if he got the right offer and got replacements. So that tells you a certain amount of the problems and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, Jocelyn really does well and he was quite good against West Ham. But for goodness sake, he's a £5 million centre-forward in the Premier League. In, the the, moment, in this, this summer as well. The, the, yeah, these days, that's loose change in your pocket, isn't well, it? Well, Rafa said he's worth £10 million as a forward being kicked forward the other week. So, <laughs> so uh, I mean, I've got a great concern about our attack this season, are there enough goals in it for Newcastle to survive comfortably? Um, and it, it is a problem, and that for me was the big miss in the summer. 
we should have gone out and got and I'm watching other clubs not of Manchester City standard like the owner tells us I'm watching other clubs go out and outbid us for players with Bournemouth, Watford, Leicester um, that's the ones we should be competing with I think we're very very short uh, on centre forwards this season goal scorers this season I hope I'm proved wrong I want to be proved wrong but the bloke that's sitting next to me on every match day is called Supermac and uh, what I would give for him or Shaver right now maybe he's at the age they are now no not quite but <laughs> their type of player we are used I was, I've been brought up in Newcastle either as a kid watching Newcastle United play when Jackie Milburn was playing in the cup final when I was a small tiny tot right away through the history till now and um, centre forwards for me have been the lifeblood of this club they've been the thing we all dream about they're the, they're the people we discuss have we got one of those we'll be discussing in 10 years time when we pick the team again not at the moment. Well, I, I think that, as Gibble says, it's no surprise that the, the vast majority of if all of our teams come from both the Keegan and the Robson eras, but also it's also no surprise that during the entirety of Mike Ashley's ownership there's been very few, if any, marquee name signings. That's absolutely and true. The only one I can really think of who you'd say, wow, this guy's world class is actually the manager they've got at the moment who is in serious risk. Of breaking down in relationship with because of the way it's been treated, but you have a manager who is up there in terms of a world-renowned, has, has won the Champions League, has been at the biggest clubs in the world, and would be if he was a footballer in the best sides in the in the world. Newcastle have that manager there now, who has the capability of in the future attracting players if he's allowed to be able to do that. And you, we could be there in 10, 15 years. Be, be a terrible thing to waste, Chris. It we're, would be. We've got a manager. You, you talk about Keegan and you talk about uh, Bobby Robson. I would also put Joe Harvey in, who won the European Cup, who lads wouldn't know, but I would put him in. But this guy is as good, if not better, potentially, than uh, Robson and Keegan. Will he get the chance to show it to you? We've got to pray yes, the way he's been treated at the moment. The answer would be no. He should take his place with those sort of managers in Newcastle United's history. We've actually got him. Are we going to waste him? Newcastle do waste people. If you go back to the 80s, they had, they had Waddle, Beardsley and Gascoigne. All at the same time, all Geordies, all playing for England. Showed all three and were relegated. What sort of ambition was that? Rafa's sitting here, are we going to show ambition or are we not? Over to you, Mike. You talk, you're talking about, probably, say if in 10, 15 years' time, if Rafa was given the capability to do what he wants and we were sitting here in 10, 15 years' time talking about a team, you only have to look at his Liverpool team to the amount of players who now you'd consider as being world-class or certainly very good. Steven Gerrard, he got the very best out of. Jamie Carragher, Fernando Torres, uh, Xabi Alonso, Javier Mascherano, Pepe Arena. These are players who... If Rafa was given the capability and the resources to be able to do what he wants, we could be talking about players of that ilk in the modern era in 10, 15 years' time for sitting here doing this podcast. Fingers crossed. We've just got two more um, decisions to make. First of all, who's going to captain the side? So I'll go through the side that we've decided on. It's given and goal. Venison at right back. I'll bear Woodgate in the centre with Beresford on the left back. Uh, Solano, Speed, uh, Beardsley and Ginola in the midfield with Shearer and Ferdinand up top. Uh, Chris, your captain? My captain's going to be uh, Alan Shearer, just for the basis that I think he is a naturally. There's quite a few players you could pick in there. Gary Speed could be up there, um, a few of the others, but just in terms of natural leader and what, what he did and what he embodies in terms of about the club and everything to do with it, it'd be Alan Shearer. For you, Gibber? 
And she was without doubt captain of Newcastle United, captain of England, greatest goal scorer, natural leader. There's no discussion, I think. Exactly, I'm not going to add anything to that. And just finally, the the manager that you would you would pick uh, will include Rafael Benitez in this, I think, just because, well, we're in the Premier League now, so we'll give him a shot. But um, the manager you've picked to lead the, that team out? I would have to pick at the moment Keegan for what he did for the phenomenal time with the entertainers. He arrived in town. He'd been eight years living in Marbella, had no idea what was going on in this country, came over, never managed before in his life, came here, we were one game at Leicester from going into the old third division, we ended up runners-up in the Premier League, he signed all the players, he was in charge of it and in spending the money, John Hall backed them enormously, he brought all the talent here and he got a second top twice. Bobby, phenomenal assistant manager. And the capability of Rafa to outdo both of those, if allowed, call me uh, suspicious, but I've got a feeling that it'll stay as Keegan as the number one. He would be my manager of this team, especially with the outrageously attacking way we've picked this I would go with Keegan. For you, Chris? Joking here. Uh, no. It is a good name. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of actual managerial ability and who I think is, is the best manager I think Rafa Benitez in terms of tactically tactical wise is but as Gibbo says is he going to be the, given the capability to do so and he hasn't yet been able to achieve what those before him have at Newcastle Keegan very very close and this is a toss up for me but I would actually go for Sir Bobby mainly partly because that's more my when I was really aware of football and also just what he did with that team um, to be competing on those European nights to, as well as competing in the league at the same time. Constructing aside, a lot of those players weren't household names. You take Shearer out of there and a lot of the players he brought in weren't household names. Lauren Robert wasn't a household name. Craig Bellamy had been to various clubs and hadn't done particularly well. Kieran Dyer got the very best out of. Jermaine Genus. The way he developed young talent as well, I think he was very good at that. And So for me it would be Sir Bobby, but you could pick any one of the three and you'd be spoiled for choice really. Absolutely. So I was going to go with Sir Boy Robson as well and um, when I ran this poll on Twitter a couple of weeks ago Sir Boy, Bo- Sir Boy Robson also got the shout but yeah for me uh, it's got to be Sir Boy Robson I just think um, I think if both him and Keegan would work really well with this side I think Rafa is a bit more defensive in his approach so don't think it would work as well but yeah for me I think Sir Boy Robson he had to start from scratch much like, much like Keegan did as well but I just think there's just something about 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 Robson and uh, yeah, for me it'd be, it'd be Bobby, Bobby Robson. So um, well, overall he's got it on a two-one man yeah. more than happy to go <laughs> along with Bobby Robson because he was a great, great manager and a lovely man and underrated by a lot of people simply because he called people by their wrong names all the time. <laughs> so they thought he was a bit of a fool. No fool was our Bobby. Uh, quite happy to go with him. Fantastic. So there you have it. So just one more time, we've got Sir Bobby Robson in charge. We have. Shea Given, uh, Venison, Albert, Woodgate, Beresford, Solano, Speard, Beardsley, Ginola, Shearer and Fernand with uh, Alan Shearer, of course, the captain. Uh, thank you very much. I've been Andrew Musgrove, joined by Chris Woff and John Gibson. Uh, head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news and we'll be bringing you live coverage of the uh, Swansea City game on Sunday. Thank you very much.